everybody, and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume 7, issue 330. We're up to Resident Evil Zero in our run of Resident Evil podcasts. You can play along with our next few shows. We have coming up Daytona USA. You can probably still find that in an arcade near you, if there are any arcades near you, even though it's a quarter of a century old, which is why we're doing that podcast. Following that, we're going to continue our Final Fantasy series with the number 5, or V, in Roman numerals. After that, some more V with Valkyria Chronicles, the first game in that series. After that, we're going to talk about Resogun, Housemark's PS4 launch, Shoot 'em Up. And then it is Ghosts and Goblins, Makaimura. Kanarince.com uh, has the schedule up to and including the end of the year. Check it out. And to let you into a little secret, I've already started working on the shortlist for 2019. Oh, yes. Kanarince.com, as I say. And if you enjoy all the shows that we put out for you to listen to and you want to hear them a bit earlier and get a few other little exclusive bits and bobs and treats, you can support us on our Patreon for just a dollar a month, which is around 75 or 76p. Patreon.com slash Kanarince. You get these shows a week early. You get our console specials three months early and you get a little bonus monthly podcast with Jay and I as well. PayPal too, if you want. There's a button on canarince.com for that. Don't forget, do try out our other podcast if you haven't already. Sound of Play. It's a lot of fun. It comes out every Wednesday. It's around about an hour or just less or just more. And it's generally about video games, music. We play some music, talk about the music, talk about the games that the music comes from. Subscribe, review and rate wherever you can, wherever you get your podcast from, iTunes or Apple Podcasts, as I believe it's now known, your RSS feeds, uh, your Android devices, review and rate us wherever you can, and follow us on the social media outlets such as Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Now joining me, Leon Cox, in issue 330, are Darren Gargett. Oh, hello. Oh, and Mikhail Croder. Been fantasizing about me, have you? <laughs> that is the worst line. <laughs> I'd, uh, I don't remember, I think did I miss that line this time around? Oh, it's terrible. Man, did, they, did they edit it out in the uh, HD? <laughs> no, no release? it's definitely in there because I saw <laughs> no, it and I there. cringed. <laughs> Goodness me. And uh, welcome to uh, this uh, Resident Evil podcast. It's John Salmon. Hello. Which is uh, uh, sort of, uh, you're a late addition to the team. And it's interesting, we've gone from... Sean, Sean O'Brien, who's uh, now editing this podcast, who was going to be on this one, but he was hating the game uh, and he was happy to drop out in favour of John, who has been caning and rinsing the game. So uh, hopefully we still have enough uh, dissenting voices about some of the criticisms in this game to represent Sean's feelings, uh, which were really quite strongly negative, mm. uh, especially compared to his uh, his feelings of love for its predecessors. Uh, but anyway, well, obviously, as always, we'll get into the nitty gritty of what we appreciate and don't like so much about this Probably final classic instalment of of the old Resi style games, uh, notwithstanding the Revelations games and mm. anything that comes later. This yeah. is the last one that it's really. It's definitely the one with the fixed camera angles. Mm. And, uh, yes, and all that goodness. Yeah. And for some people, that was a shame, and it's never been the same since. And for others, this was a tired last instalment of that genre, such as it was, and it was time to move on. So, where do we sit? Well. Join us for the next couple of hours and find out. This is your spoiler warning. Feels a bit redundant. It's a pretty old game. Uh, it's a prequel that arguably doesn't change anything because it was retconned anyway. So it doesn't really change anything about the events of later games as such. Although it does inform certain elements of the games that were made after it. It doesn't actually have any bearing on the games that it 
directly prequels. Is that fair? It doesn't really, like, nothing that happens in this game really has any impact on the events of Resident Evil. Yeah, yeah. I'd say maybe even the opposite. Like, there's some weird things that really should have been mentioned in the first game after this. But of course, so. they hadn't been written. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you, it, it adds another founding member of the Umbrella Corp in, uh, in there, uh, along mm, with the, uh, the Spencers and the Ashfords. True. And what would have been actually more interesting, I think, is if they had released this before the Resident Evil remake and then they could have woven elements of it into it. Yeah. But as it turned out, the remake came first, even though this game was in production yeah. before. Yeah, they still should have known. They still should have had Rebecca being slightly different, maybe, in the remake. Or having a mm. bit more knowledge of the mansion that's identical to the one that she's just been in. <laughs> <laughs> it does seem very yeah. oversighted. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes, there's lots of curious things. Obviously, it's the way with uh, with with prequels and, and retconning. Uh, anyway, so this was put together by Capcom Production Team Three, with additional support provided by Toza, who we uh, know on this show from doing uh, an extraordinary amount of work with an extraordinary number of developers on an extraordinary num- number of games, particularly conversions. Uh, they've come up by now Final Fantasy series as well. Uh, this was the first canonical Biohazard game developed outside of Production Team 4, which is Shinji Mikami's team. Uh, the director in this case was Koji Oda, who uh, had previously worked on some bits and bobs for Capcom, uh, going all the way back to working on the camera for the PlayStation 1 Resident Evil director's cut, uh, and worked on uh, Street Fighter Alpha, or was thanked on Street Fighter Alpha 2 anyway, and worked as a designer uh, prior to this. Went on to work on other things, including Ultimate Ghosts and Goblins on the PSP, which is a, a very well-regarded game. Uh, Originally, this was conceived as far back as 1996, the year of the original release of Resident Evil, planned for release on the 64DD, uh, then the N64 console, when it became apparent that the 64DD was not really going to be much of a thing, although it it did come out in Japan. Darren, I can't remember if you got one of these. Did you get a 64DD? No. everything else? It's one of the elusive N64 things that I never picked up, um, but I was was desperate for one, yeah. It's, um, It's a shame. Because you've got some pretty obscure. Yeah, I've got a stuff. I've got a V64. I've got an IQ that I'm actually powered on now. If anyone's following my history with the IQ, um, Nintendo IQ, it didn't blow. It up. didn't blow up, and I played Doctor Mario in Chinese. So there you go. Awesome. Uh, yeah, but you don't have a 64DD, um, but this this never came out for that anyway. Uh, The original plan was apparently that the Resident uh, Resident Evil Zero was going to be released in the autumn or winter of 2000. The script was actually complete in 1999, early 99, uh, but production shifted to the GameCube sometime in early 2001. Uh, It was officially announced at 20% complete in January 2000. Uh, Now, there's quite a lot of footage out there of the N64 version the predecessor i think it was is it tokyo game show it was uh, playable um sounds about right probably 99 or 2000 and uh it is very recognizably the same game isn't it um but mm. with n64 style previous gen graphics and sound basically yeah yeah it definitely looks like a, a nicer version of resident evil one yeah ps1 version it has a few bells and whistles here and there that you'd expect from an n64 game if i'm allowed to say that but you know um yes sure you know it looks a little bit nicer than yeah the original resident evil um but yeah it's it's you know it's unmistakably the train um which is kind of you know the whole marketing thing behind this game and uh 
yeah, I, I remember seeing these screenshots. Can't remember mm. exactly when, but I remember seeing this thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm up for another Resident Evil. Very, very much in line with the um, Resident Evil 2 uh, N64 yes. version. Mm. Yeah. But by the time it would have come out, we would have already had Code Veronica on the Dreamcast making an N64 Resident Evil look rather retro um, by comparison. But we, were, we it was a strange era at, at that point because we were getting uh, different, yeah, sort of different Resident Evils across. Obviously, we would, we've talked about Resident Evil 3 coming out on PS1 and we had the Dreamcast game and then the remake not long after on the GameCube obviously as we talked about in that show uh, kind of really amping things up in terms of visuals Um, and the game eventually came out on the GameCube uh, after the Resident Evil remake Uh, it was November in North America and Japan 2002 and Australia got it in Feb 2003 we waited till March in Europe so yeah, it was still we were still in the period very much of a lot of vintage classic style Resident Evil games coming out in a fairly short order. Uh, the game re-released in 2008-9-10 for the Wii on the Resident Evil Archives label, which actually only comprised of the two uh, GameCube games ported almost directly to the Wii. Uh, then the HD remaster happened after the success of the Resident Evil remake HD remaster. Uh, it was fairly inevitable that they would do a, a similar amount of work. We discussed sort of how much of a of a of a major project these are and we came to the conclusion that uh these aren't the laziest hd remasters you could ever do but nor are they the absolute optimal you know kind of triple a treatment um they are more than serviceable ports of the gamecube games um with you know uh widescreen aspect ratio support after a fashion higher resolution visuals redone textures character models new alternate costumes improved lighting controller options and uh, of course achievements trophies and that came out on all current formats and also 360 and ps3 uh in january 2016 uh when the game first came out uh, it reviewed pretty well um, that being uh, 84% on the GameCube. So not quite uh, up to the high 80s of the remake, but still solid enough. When the game's been re-released, it hasn't generally done so well. The The first re-release on the Wii, uh, that only reviewed at around uh, an average of around 62%. <clears throat> um, again, perhaps losing marks for being a straight port of a previous-gen game, but that still seems quite... You know, it seems quite low to me. Um, perhaps the remaster has been slightly better received, but it's very much averaging a 7 out of 10 and actually slightly lower on the PC for some reason, um, closer to that low 60s version. Certainly anecdotally, and I wasn't really that aware of this, but going into this, but everyone kept telling me how much, you know, how sort of how little regard people have for this this particular instalment of Resident Evil and I wasn't really aware of that and I don't remember that being the overriding feeling at the time and looking at user reviews online uh, Nintendo Life has it at 8.2 IMDB has it at 8.1 and Moby Games has it at 7.8 so that's hardly a you know a hated game it's just not quite up there with its siblings yeah um, this might also be purely anecdotal Call, but um, it always seemed to me like the game was just not very warmly received in terms of adoption and sales, uh, and that not too many people might have played it. 
that's probably true. Uh, Resident Evil Zero sold 1.25 million copies on the GameCube, so not not an insignificant amount, but not not bundles and bundles either. And in fact, uh, the HD remaster has now outsold the original um, as of December 2016. Even uh, we're almost two years on from that now. Um, it had already sold 1.3 million copies. You can imagine it's gets downloaded regularly put in sales um you can get it as part of a uh, an origins pack with the remake i imagine well way more people have this now than ever had it back yeah. in the day on the game it, also makes more, it, or not. it makes more sense in um this at this point in time in you know for such a legendary series that people will want to seek out maybe the the, le- the lesser played titles in the series and are more curious sure. about them yeah, we'll talk about our histories with the game in a moment, but let's hear from the forum, canorince.com slash forum. This is from Reprobate. Why do I find that word so hard to say? This is from Reprobate Gamer, who says, the main thing I remember about Resident Evil Zero was that it was the point that I truly realised quite how in love with the franchise my then-girlfriend was. Code Veronica was always her thing whilst we were at college after having watched me play Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 3, but I was keen to get hold of both Resident Evil 0 and the remake. What clued me into her wanting those games also more than anything was walking into a Tower Records during a closing down sale and her walking out with a GameCube copy of both games, quite ignoring the fact that we didn't, at the time, own a GameCube. Zero itself is a good addition to the series, far better than Code Veronica in my opinion. The graphics were great for their time and it nicely slotted into the lore. That it builds itself as the prequel explaining what happened to Star's Bravo team in the run-up to the mansion incident is a bit of a misnomer as it barely touches upon that. It seems to remember most of the way through that it needs to end up there. But it does serve as a prequel to the series and does explain, for the audience at least, some of the story regarding Wesker, Birkin and the origins of the T-Virus. Rebecca and Billy never actually find out most of the info in the cutscenes that Wesker and Birkin feature in. There was a good relationship between the two main characters, although it was a little jarring that Rebecca was so quick to be so trusting of Billy. After all, it's only his word against that of the official report. While I would like to know what became of him, there is something to having a character just no longer be a part of the story. And I think trying to bring him back into the series now would feel like deliberately crowbarring him in just for the sake of it, rather than as a nuanced addition to the story. He was only involved as he survived the attack on the military transport. It was a nice touch to return to the factory and lift from Resident Evil 2, although that in of itself raised yet more questions about the already sketchy geography of Raccoon City and the timescale for the T-virus infection, as there is a section in Raccoon City's underwater treatment plant. Water treatment plant, sorry. The GameCube has been fully replaced by a Wii, but the games remain in our collection. I would imagine that the HD versions will, at some point, find themselves on hard disk of the Xbox One next to it. She, who was my girlfriend and now my wife, remains disappointed that it isn't two-player, which I think would make for an interesting spin on it. So, uh, our histories with the game. Darren? Yeah, as a, as a rabid Nintendo fanboy at this point, this was an import for me um, as day one, as, as close as I could get. I remember getting it through the post and thinking... God, the American artwork isn't as good as the other ones. It happened with the remake, you know, with the horrible zombie biting the character on the front cover and looking at the EU one thinking, mm. their artwork's better than mine. And then I saw the um, EU box art for Zero and I was like, their box art's better than mine. And I just, yeah, it always kind of stuck in my head. as like, <laughs> why does America or my import version have a, um, you know, a lesser box art? And it's never really bothered me before, but I think that's the first time I ever really got fussed by it. It's weird because I, I remember beating this game, but I don't remember yeah. anything about the game beyond the train. And I'm, I'm I'm wondering if anyone else is the same. But yeah, um, 
yeah and then i played it through for the podcast in uh yeah started in january before the game on the sea came out and then i came back to it after i'd finished the game on the sea and uh, i couldn't remember anything about it so i had to use a little guide to join the dots and then i played through it in the month of july Mikhail, how about you? Yeah, I'm, I might be pulling a Sean here, uh, getting all misty with my um, memories in regard to when I first picked up Resident Evil Zero. I know that it was definitely in 2003, but it wasn't on release. Um, and I also seem to remember that maybe after the hype for the Resident Evil remake, uh, Resident Evil Zero was released to relatively little fanfare. Mm-hmm. Um, and... It was sort of in shops all day to to my recollections. And I think at the time I was saving up for Metroid Prime, which uh, was released not long after. And I sort of left Resident Evil Zero till maybe a couple of months later where I, uh, to, until I could pick it up cheaply in a bargain bin. It was uh, priced down very, fairly quickly as well. Yeah. Um, I was quite looking forward to uh, uh, to, to playing it and uh, a friend of mine also had picked it up for his GameCube and he told me it was uh, he, he finished it like in one weekend and it was absolutely brilliant and I remember being completely gobsmacked with the the whole train section just the amount of detail and the animation in there of the backgrounds the, the section on top of the train all the, the you know as soon as it starts as it started moving the the, the curtains in there and uh, and yeah, and, and for some reason, getting something else, maybe it was uh, The Wind Waker, which came out in the same year that uh, took all my attention. And I, I've had a very rocky relationship with this game because I've tried to start from the beginning and replay it uh, time and time again. And I remember the last time I replayed it, maybe it was around the time that Resident Evil 4 came out. Uh, I got I saved myself in, into a corner. I didn't use rolling saves. And I sort of left the game there. So... You know, I was very adamant of, uh, about uh, getting on this uh, this particular show because I might not have returned to Resident Evil Zero otherwise. So I, for the for this year, together with uh, my uh, ex downstairs neighbor from the apartment that we used to live in, that I play all uh, the Resident Evil games with, uh, we actually sat down and played through this uh, game that I was was in my possession for about 15 years already for the first time all the way through. That's what we do. Yeah. Uh, okay, and which difficulty did you play on, Mikil? Normal. I think I've always played on normal, and uh, yeah. it's it's quite a quite a initial hurdle to climb. But we'll get more into that yes. as well. Darren, what about you? Difficulty wise, oh, easy, definitely easy. Um, I couldn't remember, okay. but then looking at the mountains of ammo I had on the floor, I realised it was easy. Mm. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Okay, now John, I understand, and this is kind of the reason you're here because Tony alerted us to the fact that you've been i guess i get was it just that you decided to ca- catch up with this on your backlog as as we were covering it on the show uh, that I, I don't think you were actually intending to muscle your way in onto the panel here this is just this is just the way it's all worked out yeah. um yeah i've got quite a long history with the resident evil franchise in general i absolutely loved the original few games on the gamecube uh, on the uh, PlayStation at around the time that they came out and it got me into a lot of other survival horror games um, at that time and I've since then really just lapped up anything uh, anything really horror-y survival horror sort of uh, I've always liked the old tank control stuff I've always thought that had quite an interesting charm to it and I'm very forgiving of 
even more recent games that a lot of people dislike, like the remake of Alone in the Dark from about 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. I can't remember why I liked that, but I liked it when everybody else hated it. So I think I've just had a soft spot. Um, but I didn't have a GameCube uh, for probably a couple of years um, after it was released. And I remember when I got one of my first like proper well-paying jobs rather than being a che- uh, checkout person at a supermarket... Uh, one of the first things I did was I bought a GameCube on eBay and I went and bought a big sort of job lot of all of the current, at that point, Resident Evil games that had been released. And it ended up, they came from America and it came with one of those little freeloader discs and things. So I got all of them probably in somewhere mid-2003, maybe early 2004, and Mm -hmm. played through everything just constantly over and over and over at that point and really, really (laughs) enjoyed it. Um, and I've I've sort of got quite good memories of Zero from then. Although the again, what you guys were saying, the main things that stick out of the train sequence is pretty memorable. And then I think the mansion is quite memorable. But after that, it sort of becomes a bit blurry Generic. and samey. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was yeah, that was probably the best part of fifteen years ago. I know I played through it a couple of times and I messed around with some of the extra modes and stuff that are in there. Um. And then when it came out, the uh, HD remaster, I I had it for quite a while and hadn't played it. I'd been all over the um, original, uh, the remake of the original game. I played that a lot as it was pretty new. And then I held off on this one for a little while. And I think I was playing it about a year ago. I went back to it and thought, I need to play Resident Evil Zero again. Um, and I got about halfway through it got to a point where because I was being quite sort of frugal with my saves and stuff I had quite a long section that I did three or four times and kept either failing or dying or something stupid oh, yeah. happened it that's was the joy it's it. around <laughs> the point the the boss fight with the bat in the church I think that's about right. halfway through I did that a couple of times had to go back like 15 minutes or so of a save when that thing killed me got a bit yeah. fed up with it got past it once and then immediately got killed by the leech things in the lab after it and again hadn't saved because i'm quite frugal yeah. with saving uh, and it sort of pissed me off a little bit and i put it back down and thought well i'll come back to it at some point and came back to it about a week ago and i've played it through i think four times since then three or four times in the last week totally grabbed you yeah i've, I've always really liked it i just i'm a complete apologist for you know the shonky platform, um, shonky sort of walking style, and the weird camera angles and weird item management and stuff. It, to me, it, it makes for the atmosphere. And there's definitely some real nonsense in this game as well that we'll get into later. But generally, I'm pretty forgiving of the, I guess, the limitations at the time. So you're pretty much speed running it at this point. Oh yeah, I've done. I beat it this afternoon in two hours and eleven minutes. That's my best okay. time so far. <laughs> On normal. Right. Yes, you qualify for this panel. Uh, yeah. Uh, I bought it day one, I think. I'm pretty certain I did. I would have done. And I played it through fairly quickly uh in short order it didn't sit on my shelf for years but i played it on easy i remember because i had this kind of uh if i play a game and only play a game on easy or, or one of the easier settings i always have this sort of uh niggling thing that i haven't done it properly and i need to go back to it someday uh so i completed it on easy with genuine intention to go back to it but of course probably you know bought 15 other games in in the meantime and uh and moved on and here we are uh, all these years later uh, I hadn't replayed it. Um, I can't remember exactly when I downloaded the digital 
uh, PS4 HD remaster, but I did, and it was ready for when we covered the games, which I knew was going to happen at some point. Uh, yeah, so I've played it now and finally made my piece and um, played it on normal uh, and completed it on normal. Uh, so, yeah, completed it uh, two or three days ago now. I can't remember. Um, but, yes, it was uh, it was one of those that was satisfying to finally have feel like even though you know I'm, I'm obviously not speed running it in two hours like john but i feel like i've i've done it the proper way so let's talk about the scenario and the setting so we know that uh, this nominally covers the events prior to the events of the resident evil that we know so we hear about the stars alpha team uh stars bravo team sorry um <laughs> <laughs> it's confusing. The Bravo team goes in first, right? Uh, of which Rebecca is a member, um, and uh, it's actually when when we first join the the events of the game in uh, Resident Evil One, we're looking we're we're looking to find out what happens to this team who are already investigating the murders in the Arclay Mountains. Uh, at the start of this game, uh, Rebecca ends up stumbling upon the uh, ecliptic express parked up in, in the forest um, and once she gets on and starts investigating uh, it starts moving and um, funneling her towards uh, umbrella facilities uh, she runs into uh, renegade no ra <laughs> escaped convict Billy Cohen um, who's uh, known wanted for having killed 23 people um, possibly wrongfully um, but we don't know that, but we sort of do. Uh, he's headed for death row um, and they find themselves thrown together in a train full of zombies and ultimately facilities full of zombies. And um, and and off we go. Uh, we get embroiled with three, I suppose, three antagonists in this game. Uh, Wesker's there, uh, sowing the seeds of what would happen later. William Birkin, who we know from Resident Evil 2 and... Probably the main antagonist is James Marcus, one of the three founders of Umbrella. But uh, he's things have happened to him. Um, he's not the old man he should be. Uh, you think he is at first, but then it turns out he's actually uh, he's been infected with these early carriers of uh, infected, in, experimented upon creatures, leeches. Uh, when he was killed before, they swam inside him and turned him into a a strange singing man, <laughs> an androgynous uh, leech commanding uh, opera singer. Opera singer, yeah, that's right. Because you know, so normal, normal day to day Resident Evil mission stuff, really. Um, yeah. But overall, um, it it's, it's, already... uh, goes a little bit more towards the the, the wackiness and zaniness of Code Veronica, I would say. Yeah. It doesn't hang around, does it? Like within moments, there's just the camera pans outside, the lightning strikes, and then this weird Final Fantasy esque looking man is just mm. singing on a hillside. And I just think, yep, yeah, this is a, a Japanese made game of this era. Like you can almost yeah. tell and kind of taste it immediately. And yeah, I, me and Resident Evil's lore and story, I'm just so dismissive of it because I can never understand what's going on. And then when I see this guy singing on the hillside, I'm thinking, yeah, this fits in with my perception of Resident Evil story and I don't know what's going on at all and I'll have to watch a YouTube video when I finished it to just, you know, recover it again. <laughs> it's, just, it's just mad, isn't it? It's just absolutely bonkers. And I it's increasingly bonkers by this point, yeah, and increasingly camp as well. Uh, obviously, the you know, the first game we talked about, the, the notorious script and performances, um, 
because of the the way they were handled. But here you've we're, we're very much now down the road of um, arguably improved performances, um, but incredibly sort of two dimensional pantomimic, um, and very much a lot a lot of kind of fan service as well I, I suppose I suppose what I would say is that when I when I first knew of this game and I knew what the the setup was I was keen to see where the because it was official it was canon so I was keen to see what the Capcom people decided was the origin story do you see what I mean so yeah um so I was excited to see how events got from this train, which yeah just seemed like such a great idea for a setting um, to the mansion. But actually, it turns out that the train is only probably about a quarter of the game, if that, mm. in terms of time that you actually spend in it. Um, I would have loved it uh, that this thing kept striking me because I think as you go on, there are some really nicely rendered locations later on, but they are quite kind of generic and a bit, um, They're kind of retreads of uh, what we've yes. seen before. Yeah, you know, underground places with sewers and and pipes. Uh, and laboratories and pipes and Steam. yeah, metal walkways, <laughs> yeah. valves, um, yeah. and and it valves, <laughs> cranks, cranks. Yeah. It looks nice, um, but it's not uh, it's not st- as strikingly original as it was the first time around. So the train is is something that feels different, and I wish like they found a way to make that opening section more layered both figuratively and literally than it could have been by making it this really opulent luxurious train which has uh, multiple mm. decks and has you know um uh dining cars and and freight areas and all this kind of thing and I a wish roof they and a roof you're not supposed to go on the roof i mean you are in the game but you're not yeah. as a passenger <laughs> supposed to go on the roof it's not like uh, it's not like uh, umbrellas up there or, or anything um but I would have loved it if they'd found a way to set the entire game on the train, like a like a, a, a seven hour game going up and down and, and the train and, and opening it. more cabins and, and yeah. discovering more. Uh, yeah. And, 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 the, really and the train different. is so brilliant. It really calls to mind the Agatha Christie's, you know, the, the, the murder on the Orient Express, Orient Express yeah. and yeah. that sort of sort of atmosphere with it. It has a very speaking Gothic setting all of its own. Sort of equally strong as the the re re uh, represented mention of the of the remake. But as I say, I just think like, uh, and it makes sense when it's a shooter, you know, a first person or third person shooter to go down a train. Mm. We've seen it Golden in Eye. Goldeneye and Uncharted, and and goodness knows what. It, it's so logical. But here they had to try to do a bit more to keep the formula. Uh, working because it couldn't just be go from one carriage to the next and shoot the next load of zombies that would have been that would have quickly become quite dull unless it was a house of the dead style shooter Mm. um but so so they had to find ways of of adding these layers top and bottom middle there's a bit where you crawl under there's a bit where you go there's a couple of bits where you go outside and use a hook shot and stuff there's bits where you go out the back um and you you work way out but i think ultimately they I i feel like that maybe I wonder if they. I wonder if it was ever conceptualised that it would, the game would take place sort of eighty percent in the train and then maybe at a facility at the end or something like that. That would have been. I would have been cool with that. I, I just think it kind of, yeah. It's just it's not as much of of a mm. train game as I was hoping well, yeah, for. The marketing led you to believe that. Like if you watch the trailers and stuff, like the the, the videos v- very rarely leave the train environment. So you were led to believe that it was yeah. a, a train game, so to speak. Yeah. And it's it does the the same thing that lots of the other Resident Evil games and lots of other old style survival horror games do. Of it's actually a fairly small area, 
but it makes yes. it feel quite large because of the weird convoluted backtracking routes and stuff you've got to take mm. around it. You know, there's only yeah. a few hallways and maybe six or seven different rooms in that train that are yeah. all connected, yeah. but because it's all back and forwards and up and down and back to yeah. a door that closed, and then at the end you have to run all the way along the length of the train and all the zombies have respawned and stuff. It makes it feel so much bigger than yeah. what the assets must actually be. Yeah, and I, and I suppose part of the problem would be obviously the, the the games always find ways of of repopulating certain areas, whether it's zombies climbing in through the windows or whatever. And and there's a certain amount in this of that. Uh, some dogs, Cerberus dogs, jump in at the start, but that wouldn't really work once the train gets moving. You wouldn't believe it at all. Mm-hmm. So once the train actually gets going, it's very hard to justify the repopulation of the areas, other than saying uh, zombies are re you know at taking time to animate after the initial uh the leech attack uh but i don't know i still feel like i still feel like maybe yeah they could have they could have uh, made this a bigger part of the game and uh and i would have liked that because it would have ma- it would have set it more apart because once you do get into the the factories and treatment areas and labs and whatever you very much feel like you are and, and again i always like to stress we're playing these in, in a slightly unnatural fashion in that i've back to backed uh five or six resident evil games this year already so that sort of feeling of repetition is perhaps exacerbated but but yeah some some nice throwbacks but yeah the the train bit felt different and original and it, and it doesn't it doesn't persist i suppose Fieldy from the forum says, initially I was gripped by the introduction to the game, which promised the origin story of the Umbrella Corporation and the T-Virus. The story was okay for the most part, explaining how Rebecca made it to the Spencer Mansion and giving some history of the Umbrella Corporation. I felt it fell very short, however, in its ambitious uh, promise to explain the origins of Umbrella. I was also a little disappointed that there was no more backstory for Billy or that we don't really ever see him again. Uh, K-Sub-Zero-1000 says the narrative strand about Marcus's resurrection is rather silly, but I very much enjoy the couple of scenes between Wesker and Birkin. Billy is a strangely charismatic, interesting character, which I'm sad hasn't made any other appearance since. And the lack of obvious romantic tension between him and Rebecca also makes it stand out in comparison to similar stories. Uh, That's true, actually. There's... uh is it true? There's less. What was the quote that you did at the start, oh, Mikhail? Was that fantasizing about me? <laughs> yeah, that's that's yeah. the that's the that's that's pretty much uh, his uh, his opening line. This Billy's. Yeah. But after after that, he becomes very respectful. Now uh, he still does the, the in the beginning the little girl thing oh, yeah. on the, uh, in the train, but then afterwards he becomes more respectful and. And, f- and she's and the most yeah, yeah unconvincing uh, special forces agent or whatever mm. she's supposed to be i could shoot my gun at you you know <laughs> you know this kind of, it's like that is not how a uh, a capable uh, you know female operative handles herself i think uh, like canonically she's 18 or 19 and it's which, maybe which not her first herself, day really. but it's clearly her yeah. first day mm. It's the, um, um, yeah. it's the ham-fisted piano kind of romantic music that gets wedged into the um, the oh, um, yeah. conversations. It's just so abruptly, you know, just forced into the cutscene just to remind you that hilarious. there may yeah. be a romance going. It's like, no, he's just a bit of a leech and she's a bit naive. You know what I mean? Let's just carry <laughs> on with the story. Stop trying to force this thing upon me. Yeah. And compared to some of the predecessor sidekick characters or, or secondary protagonists, uh, he's not as spectacularly annoying as, uh, as as some we've had 
Steve. Uh, Simon Sloth, in fact, says, I liked that Rebecca and Billy part ways on a thumbs up. Much like the gameplay, it was certainly awkward, but it was nice to see a female character not end up in the arms of her male counterpart. Compared to Code Veronica, where Steve tries to kiss Claire in her <laughs> sleep, this is a considerable step forward. Oh, Steve. Oh, mm. Steve. Oh, he Steve. got what he deserved. <laughs> in, uh, yes. But yes, another in the long line of characters never to be revisited. Uh, Magical Isopod also from the forum, says, One thing in particular bugs me no end. The character of Billy Cohen irritates more than even Steve Burnside. Mm, nah. Nah. <laughs> let's, hit, let's magical isopod have their say. When we first meet this guy, we're introduced to him as a hardened criminal who the straight-shooting Rebecca Chambers must team up with reluctantly to escape a nightmarish situation. That setup is an interesting dynamic, someone virtuous working with someone more criminal to achieve a common goal. Will Billy betray Rebecca to save his own hide? Will the game make commentary on how crime is often committed out of survival and necessity? Nope. It pisses that potential away by painting Billy as another virtuous character, someone so morally correct that he is literally arrested for being too good. We're being attacked by giant scorpions hunted down by a leech man that belongs in Marvel Comics, trapped in a building with a shambling undead, and the folks who wrote this game somehow think it's important to spotlight just how great a guy Billy is deep down. It's such a puzzling shift in direction. Not only do we stop the action to go from Dawn of the Dead to First Blood, but any character tension that could possibly exist to make Rebecca and Billy a compelling odd couple is squandered. And to boot, we never see Billy again. He rides off into the sunset while Rebecca walks right into yet another umbrella facility, seemingly unaffected by the events of Zero. Where are you at, Billy? Does your instinct not start screaming, hey, maybe I should make sure my new friend gets to safety? I would like to contest this a little bit. Uh, I think this is a very particular reading of the story and I'm not going to pretend like uh, we're dealing with uh, literary analysis here and uh, that we have a script at our hands that is, uh, you know, uh, worthy of of such a thing. Mm -hmm. But I think uh, I would like to give it a little bit more credit than that because I've been watching a number of the cutscenes that Magical Isopod also mentions uh, repeatedly because of doing retakes throughout the game. Yeah. And I think it's actually a little bit, Billy uh, remains a little bit more great than that because it's never explicitly stated that he saved, saved those people in the village, for no. example. It's more, she, he, he actually does not answer that question to Rebecca. That's right. And yeah. I think the intention is more like she's, she says it's important that I know, but in the end, I think the sort of the moral of the story is it's more important that the here and now is more important than what happened in the past and it's more important that they can count on each other and help each Mm. other out than whatever happened in the past so i don't think he's portrayed as oh you know he he was a great guy all along it's still left a little bit in the dark in the end at least slightly ambiguous slightly ambiguous at least yeah Hmm. you only ever really hear his side of it as well i mean there's nobody uh, nobody who was sort of chasing after him ever really makes very much of an appearance. Rebecca doesn't no. really know very much about it. All they've got is this, yeah, this one report mm. uh, that you you get early on in a cutscene. Uh, on the subject of the script, Case Up Zero One Thousand says, "What little writing and dialogue there is isn't exactly highbrow literature, but it's usually enough to keep me interested throughout the game. Although I must admit to having a soft spot for stories with multiple protagonists in general." On to the visuals. Uh, continue with K-Sub-Zero who says the quality of the backgrounds is absolutely stunning. The train section is one of my favourite locations in the series and I find it very impressive how much structural complexity the level designers managed to squeeze out of such a simple premise. 
I mean, I, I remember we've already sort of talked about, I think we all enjoy the train section, both the way it looks and, mm. and the, the atmosphere of, of that. But as I say, I think uh, seeing the screenshots in magazines when the reviews came out, uh, I was very happy just to see another game that used those uh, spectacular visuals that we, we spoke mm. so highly of in yeah. the, the Resident Evil remake show. It uses the same engine, um, possibly even improves upon certain elements of it in some ways, just Definitely. with the, the experience. Um, and I think overall it's, uh, it's a pretty marvellous looking game still even now. Yeah, I think the main problem is that a number of the locations are just not as inspired as we've yes. seen before. Um, and I think the the mansion, the, faci- the training facility where you end up in is just like a lesser overall, lesser interesting mansion than the Spencer mansion was and perhaps even the police station in uh, Resident Evil 2. It feels uh, like they were really struggling for ideas by this point. <laughs> yeah, but then again, I must say that the little church area i found very inspired again there was one little highlight again in the middle of uh, of the of the game and there was were some really nice and interesting looking rooms in there and uh yeah it was the, a bit of a throwback to the clock tower in three though wasn't it yeah a little bit but uh yeah it's i think still it had its it had its own atmosphere sure. and then there was the the bit with the uh, with with the walkway and the, the the metro car the tram car um yeah, and and some really interesting looking rooms with uh, weird floaty things in a in an aquarium, for example. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, there's there, there are some there are some cool rooms individually. I, yeah, I'll, I'll grant you, Darren. What do you reckon to the locations in Zero? Yeah, you know, it, it, for me, it's kind of a downhill. It, it, it starts off high and it goes down, 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 and it, that's kind of the same for most Resident Evil games for me. You know, I always find the back end of the game less interesting and more of an action experience and that's not really why i'm there but in terms of like visuals and stuff like seeing like remake and zero uh, all of this right during the after the n64 we had a gamecube and we had stuff like this coming on our screens it was absolutely like wave wave your fanboy flag around because nintendo are back like this was this was ridiculous to see like this kind of art on our screens and we were like where isn't evil's not on playstation anymore flipping them in the v's and all this like nintendo's now got your boy it it was (laughs) it was crazy to see stuff like this happen on the gamecube and it was like it was such a willy waving moment and yeah i'm not i'm I'm quite embarrassed to do all that now well even admit it really but um yeah, it was it was a crazy time to be a Nintendo fan because it, it felt like they had third party support nailed down, and then well they didn't, but you know they kind of did at the start, and they um yeah and, and zero and you know the remake were definite kind of you know flare in the sky, look how cool we are kind of you know Nintendo's back and they're not afraid to shoot zombies heads off. It was um but yeah overall the actual artwork like it still amazes me now how games can look this good, and I, I know it's all pre rendered stuff, but like you just look at it and you just see how it all kind of. You can you can kind of, if you look closely enough you can see where it loops in like you know the, the light in and the especially in remake you can you can kind of see the the candles kind of flicker and you know loop again yeah and the but, water oh, animation like, I don't even know how like you even start to design something like that it's just it just blows my mind and uh, for a game to blow my mind in 2018 is yeah is it's, it's, and it, and a 2002 game no less to totally you know blow mm. my mind is just amazing. On a technical level, uh, I guess everything's pretty similar to the predecessor. So it's uh, it's a 30 frames a second game, I think. I maybe you can play it at a higher frame rate on PC. I'm not sure in the HD remastered version. Um, but yes, there's no um, there's no performance issues that I can think of that are worth mentioning, even when the screen gets relatively busy. I'm not sure how many uh, how many enemies you ever get 
obviously when we were talking reviewing the PS1 games earlier in the year there was a lot of talk about how many polygons they could get on screen so how many zombies they could actually put in a in a scene for you to attack at any one time and they got up to like seven or something on, on Resi 2 um, hmm. here I'm not sure there's one room where there's about six or seven naked zombies I think but yeah, rarely you're dealing with more than three or four at a time yeah and the room you're thinking of is a big one that you have to go round various corners and stuff to see them all that's so right they're, they're not really ever all on screen at the same time no no there's a yeah, couple so of little bits the um the boss fight with the bat i think you can get quite a lot of little bats in the room at the same time okay, with you. yeah and there's a couple of rooms with birds where there's quite a few birds in there but generally yeah there's only i can only think of a couple yeah. of occasions where there's more than about four zombies together uh, sound design always a huge part of the Resident, Resident Evil experience. Uh, before we get onto the music, just to talk about the actual Foley work and, and that kind of thing. Um, interesting nugget. The sounds of the leeches are actually recordings of hamburgers being cooked. Now you, now you, now you see that. Uh, when next time you see it, you'll hear it and you'll be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but... Um, Again, uh, watching the footage of the N64 version and remembering how puny all the sounds were in the early versions, they have an incredible charm and nostalgia to them. For me, obviously, we talked about the zombie moans. Mm. Um, all the old sounds were due to come back, pretty much, it seems, for the N64 incarnation of this game. The very um, tinny-sounding pop-pop guns mm. and the, those particular zombie moans. But here we've got uh, full-blown... Uh, you know, some a whole new suite of sounds. I think some fairly meaty sounding guns and and squelches and popping heads and things. And uh, yeah, it's the usual uh, solid fare. I would say with uh, some nice uh, environmental effects as well, wind and uh, you know, water splashing and all that kind of thing. Um, yeah, I th- I like the sound, and I'm always impressed with. Um, I think Carl mentioned this before, of like footsteps changing. Like Perfect Dark does it really well, and here I liked it as well. Um, apart from when they go down the stairs, their their legs look like they move too fast for the noises, or the, it's the it's the way the animations on the pre-rendered backgrounds look, and it all just seems a little bit off to me. I don't know if that's just me oh, being okay. a bit pedantic, but yeah, um, no, that is, it's never it's yeah it's it's rarely a hundred percent sort of perfect you know uh shoes lined up to mm. stairs it, yeah and i know sound it's, it's lined really up hard to, to marry yeah. that up but it's just once i noticed yeah. it i just couldn't not notice yeah. it and i thought oh that's kind of a little kind of stain on a on a lovely mm. blanket but yeah um delicious nitpicking <laughs> exactly yeah but overall <laughs> you know it's, it's good resident evil noises um in terms of um sound and yeah the, the yeah the, i'll always love the um the pop of a zombie's head Yes, I think there's probably a lack of uh, really, other than the kind of the squelchy hamburger leech noises um, outside of some music cues, which we'll talk about. I think there's probably a lack of uh, really striking original monster noises. Like I love in games when, uh, and films as well, when when the production, when the sound designers come up with a, like a really, uh, a sound for a, for a creature that just properly sticks with you, like the clickers in The Last of Us. Or uh, I would have liked the uh, the Eliminators to have a little bit more mad shrieking so- sounds, yeah, you know, to make them a little bit good. more of fe- f- make them more fearsome and more, yeah, like um, yeah, like rabid, proper, like like the like the apes at the start of um, Twenty Four Days Later. Yeah, yeah. like ma- really mad monkeys, you know, that's what you want. Mm, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, perhaps with a you know with a certain amount of treatment to make them sound slightly alien or you know yeah. hideous beyond just the sound of shrieking there were some uh, some opportunities left there yeah yeah and and the frogs as well um, <laughs> could have had could have had um ribbits 
music, I think, is quite a step up uh, in some ways from previous in the sense of it sound, a lot of it sounded much more convincingly like it was actually an orchestra or some real instruments playing. Um, probably the most, as well as there being some nice sort of ambient atmospheric pieces, which uh, is something that hadn't been done so much previously, um, I think some of the the pieces like the uh, the the cues for the action scenes were less kind of cheap and tacky sounding, but the the one that really stood out to me is that is the Leech Man's kind of psycho strings, um, mm. which really, yeah, which really does sound like a, an actual a cinematic cue rather than um, a a poor imitation of it. Oh god, yeah. yeah. Like the, yeah, the, the early parts of this game when you hear that kind of it sounds very it's obviously intentional, but to me it sounds very liquidy and very runny. That 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 noise that plays when you see the leech man who's a, a runny yeah, liquidy so it's, man. It's, it's that, woodwind, I think it's mu- like a flute. Yeah, it kind of flurries and it flows Flourish. really well and it matches up with the enemy design really well and it scares the life out of you when you when you're kind of not prepared for it and then you go through the door and then you hear another one, you think, Is that the same one or is it yeah. a different one? I don't really understand the logic of these. That bit is mean. Putting yeah. two of those back to back back early yes. on when you haven't even really learned how to deal with them just yeah yeah well i mean we'll talk we'll talk about the difficulty curve but uh i mean i guess now john you've kind of worked out the optimal route so you you don't get in so much trouble and you certainly can dodge a lot of these encounters but when you're first playing you don't know that do you you're just like panic and and i realize that's the point but and it's it they almost might make you think like that leech man that you just run away from from the bathroom this followed the you into one. the whole uh, hallway yeah because he that's, wasn't there before they just spawn him out of nowhere that's exactly what i thought and i thought these uh, and i think that these leech men are this game's equivalent of the nemesis or mr x in that they are the one enemy that keeps coming back and is very hard to put down but the difference is it's not it's not the same one well, my understanding is that it is the same, one, the same one over and over, okay. but I'm not really right. sure. And they do pop up back to back at least three times. There's encounters with right. them. There's nothing for ages and ages. And then you get two rooms that are right next to each other right. and they pop up. So I don't know. And it sort of seems to follow you through the game. And then at the end, I think there's a couple right near each other yeah. as well. Huh. It just, they just seem a bit arbitrarily placed. You know, like the Crimson Heads are there because you didn't burn the bodies. And, you know, certain enemies are there via a cutscene and like you know you see you know the liquors on the ceiling and all that I th- I th- am i remembering this wrong but they just seem to just be in rooms and you're just like oh okay there's a leech man because the game's about they leeches. come around corners generally don't yeah, they and, yeah and uh yeah or sometimes they're just standing it's a very there. unceremonious yeah. intro like usually present evil has these great intros for their like, kind of you know newcomers to the series and i just thought well you get yeah you get a cutscene with one on the train at the beginning yeah exactly that's the introduction of the leech man i didn't really piece them together i just assumed it was leeches from this guy singing on a mountain and then there was a guy who was a leech man <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't think it. I, I did get it, but I, I, I agree, Darren. Total, I don't think it was that confusion. clear. <laughs> yeah, classic. <laughs> just leeches everywhere, and it, and it sort of it sort of mixes things up by because uh, there's just big piles of leeches at various points on the train. So uh, and and elsewhere, yeah. yeah. So it, it is slightly confusing, but yes, the leeches your um, your sort of undroppable. Regenerate, uh, well, kind of not quite. Yeah, not quite in, uh, undroppable, but um, you need to deal with them in a certain way. We'll talk. We'll talk about that more in, in talking about gameplay. So, uh, I guess the thing that 
I say this defines this particular instalment, single player co-op being a, a two player game, you know, years ahead of the likes of uh, Brothers, A Tale of Two Sons. But actually, we already had we've had uh, sections in pretty much every Resident Evil that have either involved uh, a partner tagging along, even at the the end of the very first Resident Evil. There's a bit where you're in a corridor with both Chris and Jill if you rescue Chris or vice versa um we've had bits segments where you've taken over as another character um there've been there's there's lots of precedent for this for this series not just being a purely single player thing and obviously as we get on to resident evil 4 we're going to have uh, lengthy escort sections from 5 we've got and 6 we've got full blown co-op so uh this is a i guess this is something of a transition um, yeah, but this this is the first time you're actually yes. let's say from beginning to end with yeah. the two characters uh yes. e- either split up or definitely a lot of the time you'll be sp- spending uh together with them. Uh, they are split up each sometimes, other. but yes, you can uh you can switch between the two of them and uh there are puzzles that are very specifically built around switching between the between the two characters interestingly um in the prototype story either rebecca or billy could die Mm. with the other characters surviving and completing the game but the idea was scrapped as rebecca dying would ruin the canon of the timeline which is yeah true yeah i find it really impressive actually because uh there's still the door animations the loading times and even sometimes within the same room if you walk to the next screen there can be a little bit of a black screen pause there before the uh um before the next room loads but Mm. the let's say two characters are on extremely different locations the the the, uh x button press uh, on the GameCube controller, just it's an instant, almost instant uh, transition towards the other character in the other yeah. room. Yeah, it's probably less impressive on the modern machines in that you know yeah. that they've got a lot more room to play with. Um, it's actually mapped on the control setup I was using to Triangle. I, I can't remember. Uh, I've definitely played it with multiple different setups here. Um, but yes, there's a uh, a kind of motion blurish sort of transition which take and a heartbeat sound which takes maybe three, two, three seconds maximum to transition. Uh, yeah, it's 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 pretty smooth and it's ne- it's not one of those uh, mechanics where you're actually thinking, oh God, please don't make me do this again. <laughs> it's actually like, hey, this is this will be fun. The only uh, the only scary part is uh, is actually possible to leave the other uh, the other person in in a dangerous situation but it's it's quite easy to actually not do that as well yeah. in that it that y- it's not that you're ever taken by surprise spawns in a room that you previously designated as safe i don't um, believe is, that there, never there happened is, to me yeah there can be can be yeah oh there's okay. one literal save yeah. room isn't there with the um the up and down elevator type item microwave that goes up and i don't know what you call it <laughs> um yeah dumb, the, dumb waiter, the surface the lift or whatever um, oh, yeah, there's yeah. a zombie in the corner, isn't there? And um, once you do something, there's Rebecca or vice versa, and oh, the, zo- the oh, zombie okay. wakes up yeah, in, in the sure. safe room as well. So yeah, but that's kind of um, that's uh, that's being triggered, isn't it? That's it's not a it's not like a, a, a random, a random yeah, yeah. event. You, yeah. you literally see the slump zombie over there, and then you know you, you know at yeah. some point it's going to wake up, but when? Yes. It's, yeah, it's a bit yeah. Of a yeah it, it never woke up for me because you probably had to walk up to it for it to wake up at that point i guess uh, it can so happen. i just i always stayed stayed with my uh character near the typewriter yeah i had my whichever one it was standing by the um by the the little dumb waiter thing and the other character yeah. on the other floor and yeah. i switched back at one point 
and I think it was Rebecca downstairs, and the zombie was just lying on the floor behind her dead. She just shot it without even... Um, yeah. Oh, right, yeah. Without yeah. even calling for help or anything. She just killed it on her own completely. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But I learned yeah. that lesson when I left Billy um, unarmed, and I was doing things as Rebecca, and then I heard on the radio, oh, help me out, you know. And so you flip over to the other mm. character, and then he's just standing there doing nothing with a zombie chomping his face off. You're like, oh, mate, you could have yeah. you could have equipped your own shotgun while I wasn't looking at you. Do you know what I mean? No. Baby well, sitting simulator. This is actually... Harking back to a game we covered recently, Secret of Manor, which also has a, a sub menu in which you go in and uh, you set the behavior of your AI compatriots if you don't have a, a human playing with you. Um, it reminds me of that in, in this respect, in that you can actually uh, sort of tell them to conserve ammo or whatever. Obviously, this gets kind of fleshed out more in and is sort of maligned by many people the way that it was handled in, in five. Um, but here I never really changed the settings at all. I just, uh, I managed both characters myself. It's very easy to switch between the two in the menu. Just make sure they've both got something good equipped and, and that, that make sure that your AI partner isn't going to just, uh, fritter away lots of, uh, valuable ammo. Don't like, yeah, yeah. don't, don't give them the magnum and then walk into a room with loads <laughs> of uh, just regular enemies because that's you in trouble yeah i did that with the grenade launcher and it, pr it promptly it promptly um made me reload the game billy and me well yep. i was rebecca ai was billy and he just started pumping off grenade rounds into this yeah. room of nothing really <laughs> pump pump i was into like oh, i need them for the bat do you know what i mean so yeah reload and uh yeah and as regards to the, the two-person puzzles, uh, now this harkens back uh, to the classic uh, Head Over Heels game for me, which is one of the first games where I remember ca uh, controlling two characters independently and trying to marry them up to, to solve various puzzles. Um, I think they perhaps lent on the dumbwaiter thing a bit too much. There's there's two or three of those uh, sort of uh, going uh, toing and froing, but I thought it was you know it's a neat it's a neat conceit. Um, there's a few others which uh, yes. Yeah, Sort of makes sense there's uh, a certain amount of everyday sexism in the fact that only billy can do certain strongman yeah. hunk things like uh road, like certain uh cranking a handle um i would you know i would buy it if rebecca wasn't supposed to be a highly trained <laughs> <laughs> operative like if she was just some girl fresh out of school who'd never even done much sports or whatever mm. you could say okay well that's a justification because this guy is was in the army but the fact that she's actually supposed to be this uh you know this part of this kick-ass yeah. special team and she's too weak to push a, a metal crate you're just like, yeah, yeah, some... we know she played basketball or something that's true we do know thanks yeah. to wesker's photo collection <laughs> we know we know she enjoys basketball you can yeah. um, you can kind of believe that billy can't mix some herbs and stuff together because you know well that's also yeah, yeah. I know. you can kind yeah. of believe that but the, the fact is that there's an achievement because i played an xbox one to push a bookcase as rebecca and she can't do it you get an achievement for yeah. that like god oh, come on yeah leave it out. i know yeah, i know we, we get the idea that you know women can't push bookcases and they're weak and stuff but don't give me an achievement for it it's ridiculous <laughs> that said you you know there are still cases in in everyday life where my girlfriend who is very uh she does a crazy amount of exercise pilates yoga and all sorts of things uh, she will still sometimes get me to you know off the uh, bookshelf yeah move the bookshelf <laughs> to get to the secret room behind it hopefully <laughs> so. while you're pushing the bookshelf she's not standing on the other side of it stopping you from moving it ah yes well that the, the beautifully brought up there john uh, yes <laughs> that is a, a, an irritating uh, aspect to the mm. fortunately they have put the uh, you do have the option to control the character you're not 
theoretically in control with with the other with the with the right analog presumably mm. it was on the c stick on, on the original version um so you can kind of wrangle them out the way in a inner brother's tale of two sons style but yeah time you just think they could have just had the uh, nudged the ai internally to say look obviously this character is trying to push this thing just pathfind your way a co- couple of inches over there and get out of the way so you don't have to manually intervene a few irritating moments of that nature I feel like it's just trying to get you to, you know, actually use the system where you tell them to wait instead. It's like if you're trying to rush through things really quickly, you can move one character to the, say, for example, that hook shot on the train at the beginning. Yeah. You're supposed to make the first one wait by the actual hook shot and move yeah. the other one over. But if yeah. you're really lazy, you can just move one and then right stick the other one and then sure. switch quickly while they're standing in the right position before they suddenly run back to each other. And now you're blitzing through this in two hours. Are you finding that you're using more of that kind of shortcutting stuff? Yeah, it it brings out a lot of um, really things like just leaving Rebecca behind in the previous room and letting Billy run in and take care of the enemies quickly. Or if you've just got the one character, you can dodge around things much more easily and not waste ammo and stuff like that. So it, it makes a big difference to that sort of tactic. Uh, yeah, if you uh, if you're not sure of what's ahead, it always feels safer to take both characters along. Um, so I'm, I imagine indeed that if you're becoming familiar with the layout, you definitely will take these type of decisions. What I really liked about the partner zapping system is that I was very skeptical of it at first because uh, I, w- I was back playing it for the first time i thought like oh you have two characters that you control that, that means like there's less of a sense of isolation mm. and a, a, a less of an eerie atmosphere mm. but what it really does is stress uh how vulnerable you feel when the two characters are separated and you have to go at it alone so it, it makes those moments more tension inducing mm. i think in at the same time that aspect uh between the partner zapping and the um, the being able to drop and pick up items anywhere system actually takes some of the tension of the game away because it then means that if you go into a room and you've got a full inventory and an empty shotgun and there's shotgun shells in the room, you can just drop something else, pick up the shells and reload instead of having to run back and come back at some point. And I'm not really sure if it happens very much in Zero, but certainly something that you noticed a lot in... Um, like the remake was coming back into rooms and there'd be new zombies respawned and things. And that game really is trying to get you not to backtrack as much as possible. But that I find that they the partner zapping and the item management system does make this easier to get around without having to do lots of sort of backtracking and going through areas that you wouldn't need to go through otherwise. Mm, unless you're muling items across the yeah. map. That's what oh, I was God, doing a lot, yeah. 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 Um, K-Sub-Zero says, I think that the two-character setup is a really nice feature once the player has grown familiar with the AI. It can make for some interesting strategies and rewards inventory specialization. I especially appreciate the neat little touch of being able to control the second character with the other analog stick. Uh, and Fieldy says, right off the bat, Zero felt very different to its predecessor. I still can't define what it is, but the character's movements feel slower than in previous Resident Evil games. In addition to this, there were a few points that made this entry less enjoyable than the others for me. The partner system, which is introduced early on, shows promise. Helping solve puzzles that need the two lead characters to be in two different places at once was a fresh mechanic for the series, but this quickly became stale, and in the later stages, the game felt like a chore. 
Uh, anything in that feel of control characters, uh, feel of control of the game? Did it notice feel noticeably different to, say, the remake to you? It felt like it was a game in the same engine to me. Um, I guess Chris and uh, Billy and Rebecca and Jill each feel slightly different to one another. Yeah, but less less so because in the previous you'd have had, I guess, your choice between either Jill and Chris then leads to different um, inventory slots and things like that, whereas in this game rebecca and billy their skills feel fairly on par with each other apart yeah, from the silly the things that we already mentioned chemistry set and lighter uh, being the, the the main differences in the fact that it's you're told that billy kills things quicker and dies slower but yeah um well let's talk about the the sort of uh, interface and the quality of life and some of the decisions that uh, the developers made so the ui is overall fairly familiar apart from the uh, the ability to now switch between the two and juggle inventory uh interestingly the defense items that were quite a big part of resident evil remake have been completely excised there are no daggers or uh grenades attached to people tasers any idea why they got rid of that did, did perhaps the the director here felt it made players feel too safe I don't know, but oh, I miss them dearly. Do you miss yeah, them? Big yeah, big time. Like that intro in that that corridor, that dead end corridor in Resident Evil Remake. Um, that's mm. where you get introduced to the defense item because you're kind of pinned into that, well, into that literal corridor, and the zombie comes up and you stab it in the in the skull, and that's your you know, that's your tutorial on how to do that. I love it. It's mm. so good, and it makes you mm. the the first Resident Evil on the PlayStation One. It, it scared me to hell and back when I was a kid, and then playing the remake, mm. it done the same thing but on a more mature level, because I was older at that point. But these defense mm. items, it it, made, it reassured me that I could have a little bit of a fighting chance in reliving this nightmare and, you know, stabbing a dagger in a zombie's head just for a brief moment of respite. Yeah, I loved it. And the fact that they've removed it from this game, and maybe because there's two of you on screen potentially and you're both, you know, sounding off your firearms left, right and centre. That's true. You know, One of you can be yeah, shooting so maybe, from Maybe you've got a mobile defence item on you at all times, but that's not that's not what I like about this new style mm, of right. pre-rendered, you know, Resident Evils. I was hoping to have more of, um, yeah, defence items and uh, I'd lo- I love popping a grenade in someone's pocket and watching them pop. It's good. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's my take on it is that the... The defense item is effectively your AI-controlled second character who, when you get grabbed, you can just quickly mm. switch out and start shooting the enemy. And they've, they've balanced it in some ways by having... Um, there's enemies that if they pin you, they will just kill you. And you're, yeah, you're completely out of luck. I did... I was playing earlier, and I was playing the um, Wesker mode, and I hadn't saved the game at all. I got all the way up into the mansion and went into a room as, well, I guess, Billy slash Wesker on his own without Rebecca and immediately got pounced on by one of the um, little centipede things mm-hmm. and I hadn't taken I had not taken a hit the in the entire game yeah and it just, it just wiped me out I just got stuck on the floor and it killed me in one go I was like ah that's yeah. 45 minutes mm. completely gone awesome yeah that can happen Another thing that I clocked, uh, I, I guess I didn't really think about it so much in the remake because they weren't there in the original, so it made sense. But actually in Resident Evil 3 Nemesis and Code Veronica, they both made quite some use of explosive environmental items. Mm. Uh, they're not here at all, are they? There's nothing. Makes sense also because Resident Evil 3 and Code Veronica had very large amounts of enemies walking around. So yeah, it's sure. a good way to... Uh... But it's always fun. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just just put a couple of red barrels in the game for me to 
blow up a room full of zombies because it will just just for that one minute you'll just feel like yes there's, uh, there's not even the obligatory boss fight that you can make easier by dropping something and then shooting it right yeah true enough so the big probably the most revolutionary change even could could it be an evolution could it be a revolution item chests the dimension hopping magical item chests that were so uh, so much a part of the resident evil moment to moment and pattern of play are gone um now i remember thinking at the time brilliant because it felt like such a weird immersion sapping relic but then I played the game. I remember playing it through on easy. And by the end of the game, and this is partly me just being overly cautious and whatever. But I was just, I was spending like quarter of my time going into new places and killing zombies and solving puzzles. And three quarters of my time going back across the map, collecting six items at a time and leaving them in a room. And then running out of, you, you can't put more than a certain amount of items in a room. So you then start putting them in the next room. Um, I can't remember how the GameCube handles this. The, the HD remaster does actually. There's a thing which shows you what items are in what rooms. I can't remember if it. Same had in that. a GameCube. Yeah. Mm. It and does. There is, okay. there is a limit as well. I'm not yeah. sure what yes. it's based on, but there's definitely a point where it tells you yeah. can't keep dropping stuff. Yes. My favourite thing about um, this feature is dropping an item behind mm. a bit of pre-rendered background, and you can't yeah, find so it again. Yeah. It's oh, yes. good. That's, that's now gone, and I have to look at the map and analyse exactly where I am versus the and move around and mash the A button and read a bit of text ten times in a row telling about a man on a bed who's dead. Now I'm looking for the ink ribbon that's behind the oh, bed. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Oh, you're yeah. thinking of that <laughs> I, safe I did room exactly in the, the same. We all did the same the thing, didn't we? Yeah. Oh. Um, and, it, and it's just like, yes, okay, I mentioned hopping item chests were immersion sapping but so is not being able to put a tiny wrap of herbs in your pocket <laughs> yeah. um like to, to me they they did this they got this so wrong if they were going to get rid of the item chests and have you able to like i like the fact that you can leave items places that's that that i would say is is a good thing in itself but don't leave both your characters with six evenly sized item slots it just it doesn't make any sense. Think of uh, that you actually have uh, with with two characters you have twelve item slots at your d disposal. It's not enough. Yeah, that's still not enough <laughs> though, is it? It's not enough, no. <laughs> but it's still quite a lot more than you had before. But it's just it's the absurdity of knowing that you need to stockpile health and ammo for later encounters. But there's no other way of dealing with that other than repeatedly walking across the map and either bringing it with you and leaving it somewhere or just going back and getting it when you need it. Uh, it, it it's a massive... Now, I, I'm sure John's got to the point now where through playing it and playing it multiple times in a row, you know exactly what it's worth taking with you and, and leaving where at any one time. But on your first and second plays, you just don't. So you just, you just, you're constantly hedging your bets and um, it's, uh, it becomes a pain in the butt. And I, and I just started feeling very, uh, yeah, de-immersed by the fact that I had to, you know, at various points walk for, you know, maybe three or four minutes across an area that was now clear of everything. So not particularly interesting to pick up 
one aerosol can and then march it all the way you know back across and then just put it on the floor i'll just leave that there <laughs> like put it just stuff it in your in the in the in the, in your shorts or something like you don't need to put it down I definitely put ink ribbons in my socks do you know what i mean no, this exactly it, 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 yeah, we were, yeah you mentioned the alone in the dark kind of reboot ages ago or john did the main how he's got some sort of affection for it the jacket system in that was kind of more you know i preferred that where he looks down and you can look inside all your jacket pockets and stuff where he's got all these bits and bobs you know stored away yeah. like it yeah if they're going to do something that kind of adds more logic to the world of people carrying stuff around then go go further Follow with it, it through, yeah, yeah yeah it's kind of yeah. half um asked completely agree yeah i mean a it's really i think more designed around increasing tension and making the horror aspects of it more realistic i mean you also wouldn't have needed to have a tank control game in 2003 well, like, no. control systems were definitely beyond that but i think there's there's also i mean we will i will also mention you know i'll probably channel my inner sean's rage about this as well um that hook shot <laughs> that you have to yeah. carry through the mm. basically the entire game that takes up two item slots i mean that is taking the mick um, yep. But I think definitely the positive side of this is also the idea of just dropping things so that you can rearrange stuff so that you don't have to leave some ammo that you've oh, yeah. not no, got and you can like reload weapons and a blessing, mix but... herbs and things on the fly and then pick other items up. Like, yeah. That's a real plus side of this system. Sure. And yeah. you can uh, you can ever uh, end up in a situation where okay all my item slots are full I need to walk back all the way to an item box to stuff things away just so I can pick up this key item and open yeah. a door uh, with yes. it you know so you yeah. can just drop something tempor- temporarily on the floor and then pick it up afterwards again yeah it definitely adds it definitely adds some some positives uh, you can use herbs without having to gather them first as well which uh, which is useful in places this one also has way more uh, items that take up multiple item slots as well mm. right like. Uh, uh, before the shotgun used to take up only one item slot, for example, now it takes up two. Yeah, but and, now you've uh, that kind of things. Yeah, there's, so there's a few any anything really useful above the uh, the uh, apart from the magnum takes up more than one slot. Uh, but again, it feels it it feels so arbitrary and antiquated to me when, as I say, a little wrap of powdered herbs takes up exactly the same space as a magnum gun. <laughs> uh, 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 well, which, 255 uh, bullets, which is the <laughs> maximum you can put yes. in one slot, apparently. Right, yeah. yeah that's, the part, that's the part where this is still a game, you know? It's like board game of rules. Board game rules don't make a lot of sense either, uh, sure. logically, from time to time. Yeah, But, but, but I, feel yeah, like I get your a, point that it's can yeah. be very immersion-breaking that way. A better yeah. compromise to be made, I think. I think there was a I think there were more elegant ways to handle this and you know I'm a big fan of Resident Evil 4's attache case mm. uh, Tetris so so yeah that was perhaps the next logical step you want to talk about logic you don't see Leon carrying that case around <laughs> he's not got that thing with him all the time yeah. and also no, explain the merchant <laughs> Apparently, Resident Evil Zero was designed to be more difficult than its predecessors, removing the item boxes to make the game more like Sweet Home, the sort of progenitor, uh, the 1989 game that we talked about back in the Resi 1 show. Um, According to TV Tropes, Nintendo Hard uh, is one of the tropes that this game subscribes to. This game is comparable to Code Veronica, as the overall lack of ammo and healing items that you have to split now between two characters is among the stingiest in the entire series. Unlike that game, however, you do not have a decent knife to help conserve ammo, so you must make every shot count. Avoid enemies when possible and only heal when absolutely necessary. If you don't have an excess of ammo for your best weapons and healing items for a boss battle, then forget it. Have fun starting the entire game over. Yeah. 
rolling saves really helped me out uh, this time around. There were actually a couple of sections that I did completely over because of uh, ble bleeding uh, health and uh, yeah. and ammo and. Um, and poisoned. funnily enough, I got some sort of grim enjoyment out of that. Like just doing the same section over again. Maybe even like doing a, ha a half hour of the game over again. Just and, and with prior knowledge, making it more, uh, being much more efficient uh, than when I yes. wasn't yeah. sure what was coming ahead of me. So I was actually starting to really enjoy this, uh, this sort there of thing. There is something in that. Mm. And obviously that's kind of what John's been doing, I guess. Yeah. And I feel like there's other things about this that make it more difficult as well. Like, yeah. I think the boss fights in this are particularly tricky. Um, really? As well, especially when they throw them at you so early. Like that scorpion boss is five minutes into the game and yeah, you've you got, got at much that to point do you've got yeah. no weapons. Yeah. Um, and yes. he's he's a weird one that I think you've got to shoot him while he's got his tail up so you can waste ammo not even actually damaging him. There's a, there's a lot of that, but you can at least with that one keep him locked in a set. Like as much as they can stun lock you, you can keep them locked in yeah, animations, yeah. which mean they can't hurt you. That's which, true. Compared to Code Veronica, is a is a is a blessing. Mm. Yeah, Code Veronica had bosses with just where it was almost unavoidable to take uh, yes. take damage, and Horrific. you get like stuff thrown at you and stun locked yeah. in a corner. And I found almost all bosses in this game fairly. Ex that they had very exploitable pa patterns that they felt actually more like classic video game bosses to me than rather just yeah. da damage dealers you know the only thing is they looked way goofier than previous Resident <laughs> Evil bosses you know giant scorpion yeah. giant centipede giant bat and then after that you're on to the, the tyrants and you know the, mm, there's a pretty good incarnation of the tyrants as well um, yeah I quite I quite liked them but um but yes, kind of. It's like rather than the sort of horrible uh, body horror of of like the Birkin transformations in Resident Evil Two, it's like, uh, what should we do? Giant centipede? Have we done <laughs> yeah. well? Not exactly. This, this is a very much heard criticism with the game. Like yeah. the enemies are uninspired. But if you think back to the first Resident Evil, you got a giant shark giant, in there, a giant, giant sp snake. spiders, a giant plant, a giant snake. You're absolutely um, right. Yeah. So mm. it wasn't a huge deal to me. I would have liked to see a, a little bit more of a, uh, you know, a biological freak monster, uh, yeah. rather than just the the leech man. A frog and a monkey. It's, you know, that, that could that could I think just add one or two liquor or a new mm. type of hunter type uh, enemies in there, and I think that would have alleviated yeah. the criticism already. But I yeah, the I hunters mean, look great in this one actually. The mm. uh, yeah. the the textures of them and the animation they looked, uh, and especially compared to the the proto type hunters which are the the lurker frogs which are just big frogs <laughs> you know what uh, i only met one of them during yeah, the entire quite, game on it's the quite dam. random yeah and i just I, and i kept i kept running and i saw a thong a tongue fly after me and i was already out the window and that's the only time i ever seen anything of it i saw three but one time i saw one and when i replayed that bit it never came back mm. uh, yeah so yeah so it's an interesting quirk um, yeah they, they can they can one hit kill they you can, yeah. yeah they can they grab you and pull you into their mouths and if you're on your own there's a bit where you do you've got to cross that dam as billy after rebecca's lowered the water level so you're always on your own and if the one comes up there and grabs you it can be just instant Game over. That, that's where it happened, and I just I saw something fly up from the water, yeah. and I just kept running. Yeah. <laughs> no, that got that got <laughs> like a coward. Man. That one got me three times in a row from the same same no. point. Yeah. Oh, so this time boy, I tiptoed oh very slowly forward. It popped out, and then I shot it. Look, yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, I was kind of in that mode where you just 
you know that there's always a, uh, a very typical part of Resident Evil for me where I just want to get on with it. Like you can kind of sense the end. I'm like, I'm just going to get on with this now. And then mm. that that dos- uh, crossing of the dam was definitely the moment of like, actually, let's just calm down a bit because I was running past it trying to mm. be a ninja and I wasn't. Interestingly, also uh, in terms of the the game difficulty and balance, I think we all agreed uh, when chatting about this game in 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 our Slack before putting the show together, we all feel that it starts hard and gets easier and mm. the second half of the game is just noticeably easier than yeah. the, the the second half is just noticeably easier than the first half but also it turns out uh, it has been observed and John you may be more familiar with this uh, once we'd made our original Resident Evil 4 podcast somebody actually discovered through just I guess playing in familiarity that that game has an incredibly subtle and sophisticated adaptive difficulty in it we'll talk about we'll get to talk about that this time when we talk about Resident Evil 4 well it turns out that it has been observed by some that this game seems to have some sort of adaptive difficulty as well so in order to keep the player tense and nervous and feeling on edge it very much limits health and ammo in the first half but actually the game is doing some calculations behind the scenes to see what sort of state you're in and it will actually make enemies take fewer shots uh, if you are low on health or ammo so i can imagine that being the case because there's always been the that sort of random chance that if you're shooting a zombie with a pistol, I don't, I've got no idea what the actual percentage is, but that just any pistol shot could pop its head off. From yeah, that was from director's cut onwards, yeah. And more, more so when you have the uh, scope equipped on uh, on Rebecca's pistol. Yes, if you do the mods, it happens yeah. more often. Yeah, you have to you have to risk an encounter with a couple of plague bugs to get that mod, but uh, but yes, it's worth doing because it saves you a lot of ammo throughout the rest of the game. But yeah, it was uh, very much I, the only thing I was wondering, Darren, about when you said about what difficulty you were playing on. I just wondered if maybe actually you could have been playing on normal. And it's simply that that the game does like by the end, I had spare health and, and spare yeah. ammo pretty much as well. So, yeah, due, due to retakes in the in the earlier sections, I ended up with uh, quite a lot of health and ammo in the end. But it's very sparse in the first half. Definitely. It's mm. just about after the the. The bad boss where the game seems to sort of start losing up a little bit. Uh, yeah. Losing up a little bit. And it keeps giving you a green herb and a red herb, like just right next to each other. Mm. It does that numerous times. And that, to me, doesn't seem like a trope from the older games at all. You'd normally find herbs all over the place. Like, yeah. Normally just one herb of random color. There's also only about three blue herbs in this yes. game. Not that many things can poison you, I guess. The, spi- the spider there's, scan. There's only yeah, five there's, spiders in the game, though, aren't there? So yeah. There's also a room with a chessboard where if you get the puzzle wrong, oh, it yeah, poisons you okay. as well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but you'd I have think... to be a, a doofus not to solve that puzzle correctly, wouldn't you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no offense. Yeah. Like Rebecca's got her um, like herb mixing kit or chemical mixing kit or whatever it is, which to me seems incredibly underused in the game. But I Twice. think if you yeah. just pick up. The first one that you find, I think it's the green chemical on its own, mm. that does a counteract poison effect. Ah, if you okay, use yeah. It. There's so an I... achievement or trophy for for using just the green chemical, I believe. Mm. But you can always get more of the of the chemicals. But actually, yeah, you only make it for a stripping a you 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 only use it for a stripping agent and some battery acid. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. 
K-Sub-Zero from the forum says the item management system without magical item boxes is a bit of a double-edged sword. It's much more realistic and isn't really an issue once the player knows what to expect, but it can probably be really annoying for first-time players who don't exactly know what to take and what to leave behind. My tip, keep the hook shot in close proximity at all times. And another tip, just ditch it after the uh, church section uh, once you've reached the, uh, get the, the, the cable or the, the metro, uh, the tram car moving. Yeah, is that the last time you use it? Yeah, when you yeah. go up into the little control room thing. Yeah. But yes, you just wouldn't know. And also, yeah, when you're first playing it, you're thinking, I've used it this many times throughout the game. I'm probably going to need it for like the final boss or something. Uh, so, yeah. You, yeah, so you keep lugging it with you throughout the, the rest of the game because you don't know. Yeah. Uh, Reprobate Gamer says enemy design was a little poor in this game the very loose set of rules that governed how a species reacted to the t-virus to that point was truly nixed in particular the giant bat that had standard sized bats with it baboons changing color and the damn leeches and the frog version hunters were ridiculous particularly the one that sat in the way of a narrow walkway and would just eat you if you paused too close to it this started a series long hate with enemies with one hit kills yeah. we've already covered that but i did want to say we mentioned stun lock. I think the majority of my deaths in this game were getting cornered in a room by either two hunters or three eliminators and yeah. just not being able to fire at them, not being able to do anything. And both characters, obviously it only it's only one that needs to die, but both characters being stuck and unable to do anything. And that's just always uh, unforgivable game design for me. The eliminators are very pesky to fight because they move with the speed of hunters. They can jump in at you, uh, or they're faster. Only the, yeah, they're smaller uh, the target, so they're really annoying. Uh, remember the room with all the animal statues with uh, the torches next to them? Yeah, yeah. There's a, like there's at least four in yeah. them, uh, of them in there, I believe. Yeah, it's um, horrendous. I had to do a retake there because I had lost too much health. Mm. And I just... Uh, Rebecca's on the other side of the room. So what I did was run past all of them with Billy. Then give her the hunting gun. <laughs> give Billy the shotgun. Move back in the room and just uh, stand close to the door. And whenever one would yeah. even sh show a small glimpse of itself, so it's just start, yeah, <laughs> start yeah. shooting. And we, we dropped uh, like a whole the whole room of them without wow, taking, taking a single hit there. <clears throat> lugging the the two cartridge hunting gun around with you at this point yep, yep. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but it was yeah. it worked wonders there and we we dropped the whole room of uh, eliminators without taking a single hit there nice fieldy from the forum says the battles with the leech man feel cheap with the bullet sponge enemy moving much faster than the player character and being able to hit at long distances in very confined spaces i think this might be to try to induce fear but it just came off as irritating after about the third encounter K-Sub-Zero says the monster design is unfortunately rather uninspired in this game, with most being simple variations of existing animals. The Eliminators can be very frustrating to deal with and the Giant Bat is one of the worst bosses in the series. I like the Leechman's vulnerability to fire-based attacks which rewards the use and proper management of Molotov cocktails, but I do regret the lack of a body-burning slash crimson head mechanic. There's a few puzzles in the game, uh, there always are. 
some familiar style things. But K-Sub-Zero actually says Resident Evil Zero expects the player to put a bit of thought into solving these puzzles instead of relying on the usual run from point A to point B in order to jam item X into slot Z shtick. It's not on the level of Zero Escape or even Silent Hill, but it does come closer than any other title in the series. Uh, any standout puzzles? Uh, the lighting of the the animals uh, sort of harks back to previous puzzles, but maybe has a little bit more um, thought behind it. I quite like the one where you have to... It, it's a little bit more of an extended riddle, right? Yeah. I quite like the one where you had to light up the power grid uh, in three button presses. Oh, that yeah. was That's good. a classic puzzle. I really didn't like the one where you're... You have to send one character up to the top to m- manoeuvre the gate, and you have to move the boxes down below. Yeah, it's a fiddle. To cross the wall. Oh, that's awful! That God. drainage puzzle. Mm. It, it's quite easy to yeah, solve. Yeah. It's just actually executing just, it yeah. is a, a fiddle. Laborious. Yeah. It's mm. like a crystal maze puzzle, but really, really boring and slow. Like I just, ah, oh, yeah, it wasn't fun. It wouldn't it, have been worse it, if you'd had a, a team of uh, shell-suited uh, yuppies <laughs> uh, telling you to get the crystal. The time limit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I want to play that game. That'd be good. (laughs) Crystal Maze Live coming to Brighton soon, by the way. Um, Oh, nice. One one puzzle that kind of got me was the... um, It's not even really a puzzle, but where you you mix up the chemicals to make the battery acid. Mm. I was expecting that to be a whole lot more because you get a... um, yeah, you get this whole formula for it. Yeah, yeah. and it talks mm-hmm. about like the right amount of atmospheric yes. pressure or temperature or something. I, I think, thought, I I'm going to come to this. Out. And, yeah, if this was a Silent Hill game, yeah, it would be a riddle and it would be really, really finicky. But yeah, it definitely felt like they just, yeah, they I think they it pulled, in the end. I think they pulled that one back from what they were intending. That was the impression I got, that like yeah. they, were, they were looking at taking you to i think they were yeah they were talking about absolute volumes and gravities and all this kind of thing i was like oh blimey okay this sounds a bit uh a bit beyond uh, making v jolt but um but no nothing <laughs> grab grab this color chemical and then grab that color chemical mix them together boom <laughs> there you go uh yeah uh so i suppose final boss is something we should talk about uh we had some fun with the code veronica equivalent uh here it's kind of um i kind of stumbled across it uh, and it works there's it's kind of two sections fortunately there's a save in between as well uh it gives you some magnum bullets right before it which is an unusual treat um and overall yeah i only died once the first time that mm. i stumbled across it uh it felt like i had adequate room to maneuver and the behavior yeah. of of both bosses was um intimidating but predictable enough to be manageable uh, and by and that time you're using heavy weaponry and it actually yeah. staggers from a lot of the, the heavier ammunition yeah it gives so, you a fair amount of acid rounds going into that section yeah and i, I saved my napalm rounds uh, thinking i would have to find some giant leech uh, in the in the end and yeah fire uh, seemed to work well against the the you know the i leeches. actually wondered about that because i was assuming too like you that fire uh, rounds would be the way forward for the final boss given that everything you've been taught throughout the game but then it very seems to very deliberately give you acid rounds going into that final yeah. section yeah i started off pumping uh, the, the napalm rounds into it and yeah. then i had all those acid rounds uh, left for the the next section and it in the, the next section it doesn't really matter how much you damage it because you have to finish it off by opening the the shutters of course mm, yeah the, the daylight in the last phase you're more just distracting it from yeah. going after rebecca 
I actually thought that worked quite well. Like I was thinking, oh, this is going to be awful because it's basically an escort mission with an a suddenly Rebecca is fully AI controlled. Uh, but actually, I, I I thought it did do a reasonable job of sort of uh, invoking that last scene of an action movie kind of thing. Hmm. And you're actually trying to run around behind it and, and kind of, you know, kind of taunt the monster, taunt this hideous giant. This, this is actually a proper Resident Evil monster at this point. Not an especially inspiring one, but... Uh, a lot bit of, of a lot of mouths, a lot of teeth. Yeah, yeah. A, lot of, a lot of eyes, uh, <laughs> that sort of stuff. Um, and yes, it wasn't. Yeah, you know, it was not one to go down in the in the pantheon of all time great boss battles. But it wasn't as much of a of a pain in the in the ass as I was perhaps anticipating. I found it very reminiscent to um, the various different stages of William Birkin at the end of um, yeah. yeah, Resident sure. Evil Two with more, the first. More crawly uh, appearing yeah it's kind yeah. of mutates as the fight goes along from the first encounter in that that first room and then you go up to the top of the thing and there's two more phases I have more trouble with the one the one that walks around that you actually have to fight off than the the bigger one because I had I think I was using Rebecca and that was fine I was just running around because you can go around in circles and I had tons of magnum ammo at that point just shooting into it and um it was just going for the AI Billy who was just standing there kind of not really doing anything and he just, <laughs> he just ended up getting killed I think about three times before I finally uh-huh. got it didn't you give him any weapon yeah yeah he he had his own um, I assume he was using the shotgun right yeah, no he just seemed useless he just wasn't like... running away oh yeah I think I was pretty much just uh, popping because I'd end up with like a 200 handgun bullets yeah. left so I was just trying to distract it by running up very close to it and just popping it um seemed to work yeah didn't didn't take me more than one go um rebecca got knocked out of her animation just once i think right yeah uh, uh, i was uh, expecting to do at least do it a one time over just to get familiar with the boss but i went through it with flying colors not Mm. losing a single time yeah yeah, I like I like final bosses like that. To be honest, <laughs> yeah. uh, I know it's not the it's not the the, the souls way or whatever, but, but yeah. there you go. Well, it can be very relieving that you don't you're not stuck at the very end of the game for a very long time. Yeah, you especially know? when you're on so. a time limit. Mm. Yeah, especially if the boss isn't particularly great. I mean, a final boss that really tests all the abilities in a certain game that yeah. you've picked up until so far can be exhilarating to fight it at the end of a game, but sometimes you just get very annoying final bosses that keep you from finishing the game. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yes we mentioned a couple of unlocks so the original unlock that's still there as well is leech hunter mode uh, this harks back to everything from resident evil 2 really beyond where you get a mode that allows you to kind of traverse the environment more but either trying to get something from a to b or collect something in this case you're collecting these uh, sort of leech jewels or brooches uh, green ones that Rebecca can pick up blue ones that Billy can pick up uh, and you can choose when you think uh, you've done as much as you can do and then run to the exit at any point uh, and get a sequence of more and more impressive unlocks for doing so I've only had a couple of goes of this it's fine it's uh, it's as we, I think we always say with these extra modes and extra game modes for these Resident Evil games they're there for the for the hardcore fans of these games who love to replay and replay and replay and unlock everything, uh, doesn't really tally with the way I play video games. But uh, but John, I think you said you were investigating Leech Hunter mode. Yeah, yeah, I really like this, and I think the the main draw for me is it's one of those things. As you go on, as you do better in it, it also 
the um, the little tokens that you're picking up are taking up all your inventory space. Yeah. So it starts off, it gives you tons of ammo, and I think pistol ammo, I think you get 200 with each character, yeah. so it's quite a lot. Mm. And there's a set number of enemies around the, the facility, or it's, it's the mansion and the yeah. sort of basement areas of the mansion. But as you start picking up the tokens, it they fill up your inventory slots, and you can't drop them or do anything with them. Yes, so at they the stack, end, though, don't they? Yeah, they do stack. I think you get... If you get all of them in the whole thing, each character has got five inventory slots full of tokens. Yeah. So you've right. at that point only got space for a weapon yeah. Yeah. Um, without any extra ammo. And it also dumps a whole load of extra enemies into it when you hit uh, 90 tokens overall. Oh. So it's kind of, it's interesting in that respect. And you've got, mm. um, you've got weapons that are dotted about, but not really any more ammo. So you'll find a grenade launcher that has 30 rounds in it. And that's it. It doesn't give oh, you I any see. more ammo for it. And a shotgun yeah. that has a set amount in it, and a magnum that comes with a few bullets. So it's it's that's interesting that it sort of escalates uh, a lack of inventory inventory space mm. uh, that you can't do Huge anything about. Huge risk reward factor. Yeah, uh, and the rewards are rocket launchers, submachine guns. No, the rocket launcher and submachine no. gun are for the oh. speed run. Oh, the okay. Leech Hunter, as you go on, it gives you, I think each rank from E through to A, it gives you a weapon that you then start the game with. And, um, the Leech Hunter mode? Yeah, no, the main game. So you go game. back to the main game and okay. um, if you beat it with an A rank, you get the um, the Magnum that is used in the cutscene by Billy at the end. It uh, starts off in one of the rooms ah. in the train. Oh, right. Um, and if you've already, if you've gotten that far, I think getting a B rank gives you infinite ammo and all of your weapons as well so if you do leech hunter you then make successive playthroughs of the game much much easier i see but actually getting the rocket launcher is completing the game under three hours 30 which you've done yeah the rocket launcher is 330 and if you've also then done leech hunter then you've got an infinite ammo rocket launcher for Ah, future games and do yours like with the leaderboards on the the hd remaster versions do they take any uh, do they only count if you do it the the original way or can you actually just get crazy times by keep playing do you know i actually i'm not sure how the leaderboards work but it's it all seems to stack with everything just as as you do it through the same playthrough yeah and i i then did wesker mode and it mm. carried the um, the infinite ammo and stuff into Wesker oh, mode as well. Okay. And Wesker's, Wesker mode, uh, he's got some extra abilities. So you've got a shadow dash, which is like a charge move, and a death stare, which is killing things from across the room. So he, so him with an infinite rocket launcher is kind of the win button, I suppose. It, yeah, it kind of just makes the game far too easy. Like, I mean, you can you can end up just getting through the game and not taking a hit at that point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Wesker mode's kind of strange because it just it effectively just reskins Billy as Wesker. Yes, they didn't they didn't like revoice the cutscenes or anything. Of course, so they don't he... revoice anything. They don't change any of the points where somebody calls him Billy, um, <laughs> but they do change it so that when there's little bits on the screen that pop up, like for example in the train when it says like who should stay behind in the first carriage, Rebecca or Billy, yeah. at that point the little text on the screen will say Wesker, oh, but okay. she'll still call him Wesker. Billy. Uh, so she'll still call him yeah. Billy in the uh, in the voiced cutscenes. Yeah, and his course. voice acting, I was started mentioning this earlier. Mm-hmm. The little clips of his voice are probably the worst bits of reading in the entire game. Wow. When he uh, when you're doing things like pressing the back button to 
get Rebecca to stay behind or come along. The little sort of fractions of clips that they've used for it. I don't know if they've actually recorded it or if they've clipped it out of some other dialogue somewhere. Definitely, That's how bad it sounds. Even having not heard it, I'm going to say definitely the latter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way they got him back in the studio, is there? They they just they found some usable clips. Can't I imagine so. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, it's it's a weird one. I don't know whether this came with like the um, the remake when they did it for the Wii or if it came with the proper HD remaster, because when you're playing as Wesker instead of Billy, Rebecca also has a custom costume that she wears that looks very similar to like the possessed Jill, Jill in Resident yeah. Evil 5. Yeah, she's got the neck thing, hasn't she? Yeah, yeah she's got the sort of gem on her chest and mm. red eyes and some sort of weird cat suit thing on. Yeah. Yes, and there's a, there's a few extra costume options that came with the HD remaster and some downloadable t-shirts, if that's your thing. Uh, some for free, some not, I believe. Uh, in fact... Speaking of Rebecca's design, uh, the discarded N64 version that you can see footage of, uh, footage of on YouTube, uh, Rebecca was wearing her beret. Uh, she no longer wore, wore that in the in the finished version, as you see. But they'd already made an action figure based on the earlier incarnation, so that's out there somewhere. I don't know how collectible it is. Uh, there was a novel again by the uh, the author S. D. Perry, who I think has novelised virtually all of the Resident Evil games, uh, called Resident Evil Zero Hour, and that was released in two thousand and four. And just one last little nugget that I read: the development of Resident Evil Zero inspired the new direction that the franchise went. Uh, with Resident Evil 4. Series creator Shinji Mikami saw how bored and unenthusiastic the development team for Resident Evil Zero was with creating yet another traditional Resident Evil entry. Because of this, Mikami was determined to make Resident Evil 4 a departure from the series' norms. That's interesting. Mm. Um, Because, you know, despite many flaws of this game i do feel there there seems to be a love a lot of love and attention poured into it in so many yeah. ways so yeah. i'm that is citation I'm also, needed that 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 piece but i read it somewhere yeah I, I, it could also be another bit of pr speak to hype up resident evil 4 you know sure. like uh, throw yeah. the previous game under the bus and hype up the <laughs> new game yeah yeah <laughs> A few more experiences from our community. Uh, Summing up, Simon Sloth says, I played the GameCube version on the Wii after being blown away by Resi 4. I couldn't help but compare the two, and although unfair on Zero, I can't rewrite history. The story and characters are potentially the weakest in the series. The gameplay isn't bad compared to earlier games, but it came at a time where its peers had moved on considerably, whereas this felt stuck in the past. Playing more recently, my opinion really hasn't changed. It's an unnecessary title which serves very little purpose. That actually echoes what Sean uh, Sean said on the Slack channel before stepping aside from this podcast. So that opinion is not yeah is not uncommonly held, should we say? Fieldy says overall Zero was an enjoyable experience, but it did have its blemishes. I think Capcom were experimenting with the old Resident Evil formula in an attempt to give fresh life to the series, something that they succeeded in uh, with in Resident Evil Four and Seven. Uh, but here it feels like the additions are half-baked and too little, uh, too late by this point. An enjoyable enough entry that falls short, in my opinion. Uh, Magical Isopod says, Resident Evil Zero is a game I'm very lukewarm on. It retains most of the core mechanics of the 2002 remake, which is a great thing. But despite having beaten it three times now, I always come off feeling a little disappointed. The graphics are outstanding. It plays well. The locales are interesting, but it's missing a certain je ne sais quoi. 
The remake engine is an incredible piece of tech, but the devs behind Zero seem to fundamentally misunderstand what made Remake work so well. The levels are not intricate puzzle boxes. The unsettling gothic horror of the original is replaced with the action movie heroics of military bloke and herb girl. <laughs> I come away from Zero feeling as though the team was given a flawless Re Resident Evil canvas upon which to paint a masterpiece, but instead slapped some paint on and carelessly called her a day. The game works because it has just enough Resident Evil DNA to be recognisable, but it fails as a prequel and is overall a disappointing follow-up to one of my favourite games of all time. All pretty negative so far, but slightly more positive, genuinely, from KSub01000 who says, I think that Resident Evil Zero's greatest sin was to come out at a time when people were getting tired of the series, exclusive to a comparatively unpopular platform and following in the footsteps of the excellent remake. For a long time, I actually considered Zero to be ever so slightly superior to the remake. I've since come around to the more conventional opinion of remake being a more polished and pure iteration of the classic Resi formula, but it still baffles me just how often I see Zero being thrown under the bus. It is a flawed but fantastic experience in its own right, and like Code Veronica before it, a lot of its gameplay quirks are significantly easier to deal with on repeated playthroughs. Fair comment, I think. And in just three words, from Twitter, follow us at Kanan Rince. Simon Nelson says, Resident Evil, nil. Uh, I'm Dr. Paul, says, questionable voice acting. Gareth Cutliffe says, Basically, zero resources. Bet TZMZO. Wow, what a name. Never tell Chris. Thomas Duff says, Billy's too cool. Magical Isopod, where'd Billy go? And Case Up Zero says, Atmospheric Coadjutant Adventure. Thank you, everybody. So, to summarise uh, the last of our classic Resident Evil series shows before we move on to the new world that Resident Evil 4 gave us, Darren Gargett. Yeah, so the two shows that I've covered um, for Kane and Rince in the Resident Evil flavour is Code Veronica and Zero. And after finishing both of them, um, after forgetting, the, well, after finishing both of them recently mm. and forgetting almost everything about them from before, I'm just left with a massive question mark as to why I enjoy the series. I'm like, right, so Code <laughs> oh, is a bit is a bit right. Yeah, okay. And uh, Resident Evil Zero is not as good as I remember, but then I don't remember much about it anyway. I just think to myself, why do I enjoy Resident Evil games? Like, the combat's not great. There's always some weird kind of, uh, like, misogynistic stuff going on in the cutscenes that I don't really approve of nowadays. I well, never did, but even more so now. And, you know, the puzzles I always get uh, confused by and stuff like that. I, I feel like I need to play a, a good old Resident Evil game, you know, like one of my favourites. I need to go back and revisit one mm. of my favourites, like the remake or two, mm. just to remind myself as to why the series is, is such a, uh, you know, a, a popular one in my head. Like, I, I do really like the series and I have yeah. like, I have like the playing it from zero to seven i apart, apart from some of them but you know overall <laughs> I'm, I'm fairly positive of the series yeah but playing these two recently i don't know why <laughs> yeah it's just like oh god i've got to do that again and then this mm. start yeah I, it really is just stressing me out and i don't know if that's just whether who i am nowadays or versus you know who i was back then but oh man zero was hard work and it wasn't harder than co veronica but overall i just found myself just coming away just going Thank God that's done. And <laughs> it, it, it's beautiful. Don't get me wrong. And it is, 
there's something about it that I do like. You know, I don't like the new modern controls that I've somehow become attuned to. It's weird. Mm. Like, very spinny controls. And when you're going around corners that have three or four different camera angles, I'm ending up, like, looking at the same three or four screens, like, 12 times in total. It's crazy. Oh, Um, I definitely went back to uh, vintage-style controls. It blows my mind, because you're running around a corner... And so you hold the stick in the right direct in, in the same direction to keep yeah. the person running that way. But the slightest twinge of a control movement, the character flips out and spins around and it's just like, oh, why am I playing this? And it's just frustrating. But I did I did enjoy it. I don't but I don't know why. And I, I need to reassess my um my 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 um feelings on the series as is a it whole. Cause it, cause is it because it's got monkeys in it? The, the monkeys are stupid. The frogs are stupid. And most of the things in this game I do not like. But I do enjoy the core experience of a classic Resident Evil game. There's something about it that's so yeah. satisfying. I don't... I, yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to playing along with the show on 5. I want to play 5 again. I want to mm. just... I want to play one, yeah, that I remember liking a lot. And um, seeing if I do still like the series. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, do I um, approve of this one? in 2018 I, yeah but I don't know why <laughs> sorry <laughs> fair enough yeah I'm definitely not as negative as Darren and uh, yeah it's it, it definitely was a case of coming back to this game having completed it albeit only on easy back in uh, at the time of release uh, not really being that aware of this slightly more negative reputation that some people say it has although as I say the actual user reviews on sites don't really back that up fully with you know with effectively eight out of tens uh, that's hardly you know being thrown under a bus I'm sure there's you know more vitriolic commentary in uh, on Resident Evil fan sites and certain things but I actually found uh, once again with this game once I got over some initial hurdles and and a few little bumps in the road like uh, yeah being stunlock killed in a corner trapped effectively in a room i actually found a, a worthy kind of successor to uh, the resident evil remake without being as utterly classic as that game uh, i certainly enjoyed this more than code veronica overall uh, because uh, things felt actually generally a bit fairer um, the item i think the transition the item system was not well handled there's they they made some full-blown mistakes in my view in the way that in the way that they did that but there is uh, as uh, at least one of our correspondents said i think there's still plenty of the classic resident evil uh, kind of rhythm and flow uh, and just atmospheric fun that goes into this game i still maintain that an entire game uh, like maybe a shorter campaign i mean this isn't the longest one i think it's like eight or nine hours but i think maybe a six or seven hour campaign set entirely on a train would have been could have been like really condensed tight atmospheric really interesting kind of send-off for the classic resident evil series and in fact i think they end up kind of leaning a bit too heavily on elements that have gone before but overall if you enjoy the classic resident evil games this is uh, definitely another one to play it gets easier as you go along so if it does seem a bit uh traumatic for a while uh you can you can look forward to a a slightly downhill slope towards the end so recommended for fans but yes non-essential to non-completionists i would say mikhil 
Yeah, interesting you say that uh, about the train section again. Um, a very negative reading of Resident Evil Zero could be that uh, they had this fantastic idea of the train setting, but couldn't stretch it further than what it already was, and sort of started running out of steam or inspiration uh, yeah. you know, along the way, and just fell back into old tricks of, of mansions and uh, facilities, facilities and uh, labor- laboratories and sewer sections. Um, and I'm just thinking back to why it took me 15 years to actually sit down and grit my teeth and uh, play through it. Well, the main reason is, of course, being a, a panel member of Gain and Rids, because I don't know if I otherwise would have uh, would have uh, done the same. But I actually quite enjoyed this game, playing all the way through it. And I enjoyed the, like I said, was saying before, the getting... Um, yeah, familiar with the whole mentality of just replaying bits over and doing them more efficiently, uh, which was a, a necessity due to how harsh at least the first half of the game is. And you could say that the after the bits after the train are a bit workmanlike. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could feel the the enemy design of all the the blown up, uh, you know, uh, just regular real world creatures uh, how uninspired they are but I, I quite enjoyed them for their the unique uh, sort of feeling uh, that they gave uh, they gave me I'm not, a, uh, I'm not I don't take the Resident Evil Zero lore or the Resident Evil lore very seriously so you know all the inconsistencies yeah. with uh, and, and retconning didn't sure. really bother me mm-hmm. I mean I for, for what it's worth I actually enjoy the Resident Evil lore just for, for its hamminess and, uh, yeah. and and everything, but uh, I'm, I'm any type of plot inconsistencies uh, of the l- larger overall plot of the series don't really, you know, they don't really keep me up at night. No. Um, and yeah, I think that it's just a very uh, it's it's a very solid entry in the series not one of the greats not one of the classics i'd rate it about on par as uh, code veronica and like you leon i also think it's actually slight more slightly more enjoyable than code veronica mm. um and you know we can be very sad about uh this sort of being the send-off for the classic resident evil uh series the the fixed camera perspectives the the, the heavy emphasis on, emphasis on puzzling and everything but just think about what kind of a spot the series was in at this point yeah uh we've had one two three four five mainline games uh counting counting the remake and um but that's not all we also had from just capcom only we had the dino crisis games and we've had at least two onimusha games so you know it i think it was about time to to move on and um yeah i think it it's probably all for the better that resident evil 4 came along and uh, and and made a big shift in the series because things might have really gotten still after this one if the series would have continued in exactly the same vein. Yeah, but I think there's definitely a core of the uh, the fans who just want nothing more than like the Resident Evil, the forthcoming Resident Evil 2 remake to be a, to very much ape what uh, what they did with the Resi 1 remake. But uh, For we, sure, shall see. Yeah. we shall see how that yeah, goes down. Th- that's just my feelings, of course. Well, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so uh, let's conclude with uh, with John. 
Right. Um, it's probably not going to be a surprise that I really enjoy this game. Um, and I can't 100% put my finger on why I like these games so as much as I do. I think it's because I first got my hands on Resident Evil 2 when I was about 13. And at that point, I wasn't really a horror fan. I wasn't really... I guess I played lots of video games, but I didn't really have a, a kind of a niche that I enjoyed. I think it's just the style of game that I, I really got into. And I played lots of um, lots of the older Star Survivor horror games in my fairly formative years. And it's something that's still stuck with me 20 years later. And at the time, it was all I was... All I wanted out of Resident Evil was just more and more and more. And I, we've discussed a lot that there's, you know, so many similarities between this and previous titles in the series through... Um, yeah, the way it plays and looks and feels even through to you know some of the environments and stuff are identical at, at the time it was exactly what I wanted and I had really really fond memories and even though I barely remembered anything about it when I went back last year and then earlier this week it was it's still something that I guess now I've got a lot of nostalgia for um, and especially seeing as my um, opinion of a few of the later Resident Evil games has really soured uh, to me, I think this is still one of the classics, and I'm still I'm still up for it for that reason. And I'm also all over the type of game that you can go back to and replay and do better and progress. You know, uh, yeah, improve times and unlock other things and stuff. I mean, that that's exactly my bag. So I'm I'm definitely down for this. Excellent. Fair, fair play, yeah. And and also uh, as a final comment, if uh, I'm allowed. Uh, I also don't really agree with the reading that uh, this game didn't add anything new to the series because for better or for worse it kind of started this weird obsession with partners uh, having a partner that's there all the time in the Resident Evil games uh, from be from beginning to end that we see in 5 and 6 a little bit in 4 as well and then uh, even in the Resident Evil Revelations games yep and then I believe, having not played it, completely dropped for seven. But Yeah, you're completely on your own in seven. Yeah. yeah. Right. Well, uh, we shall continue uh, as we march towards uh, the latter years of the series with four, five, six and seven that we're covering in this run before the end of the year. But for now, it remains for me, Leon, to thank Darren, Michiel and John, as well as our correspondents, editor Sean, and to you for listening. And if you've enjoyed this podcast and the other podcasts that we make, Please remember to subscribe, review, or even just give us a rating out of five stars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows from. Best of all, though, you can support us and our output at patreon.com slash Rinse. A dollar a month will get you each new show early and some other bits and bobs that are very nice as well. Next time, <clears throat> in issue 331, let's go away. Daytona!